Chicago Tomahawk. I'm Mike. I got my linemate Matt with me. And today we're going to go over the Blackhawks game versus the Colorado Avalanche. And we've got a collaboration that we did with Pair at the Point from the FHN net. So we're going to get right into the Blackhawks game. And then I'm going to cue in the, the Pair at the Point collab that we did. That was a lot of fun to give some insight on the Blackhawks game versus Pittsburgh and what they've got going on over there. And that game's going to be on Saturday, October 16th. So Blackhawks, Avs, 9 p.m. TNT the other night. It was a rough uh, first period. Uh, it was brutal. And then the, the Hawks seemed to have gotten stronger and stronger as the game went on. But it wasn't enough. Hawks lose. And uh, Kirby Duck took a questionable hit from Land, uh, Gabriel Landeskog. Landeskog got some, I think he's out for two games forfeit $70,000 and hopefully he learns his lesson because uh, he's known to give these kinds of hits and this kind of behavior when things aren't necessarily going the abs way. So Matt, what did you think of the Blackhawks game? Well, like you just said, the first period was, oh man, it was one to forget. Uh, You know, they got the two quick goals. I think, think two of their defensemen scored and then i i think landis got got a, a tip in uh bo byram oh man that was a nice goal jack johnson had a nice goal and uh i just you know what if it wasn't for flurry I, he kind of actually did stand on his head in that first period yeah none of those goals were his fault at all and uh, he did keep us in there and it uh i thought kubalik had a nice goal a nice, uh, actually a very nice goal. It was a powerful shot. But um, I think uh, Tyler Johnson had a game he wants to forget. He was a minus three. Uh, Seth Jones was a minus two. Uh, pretty much our defense were all minuses except uh, Ian Mitchell and Stillman. Uh, it was good to see Taves come back. I wish he could have, you know, put a, put some points up as well as Kaner, but, uh, you know, they, they, they came out flat and Colorado was, uh, ready to rock. It looks like, I mean, even without their stud, uh, Nathan McKinnon and, um, they, they made us pay man in that first period. Yeah, they did. And, you know, a lot of people are kind of sounding the alarms a little bit on the internet and, you know, it's a little bit too, a little bit too early for that. Uh, the, 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 the system, I think, is to fall. It looked like the defense was trying to figure out what the heck that they were doing in the middle. And I'm not sure if Colladin was really trying to make any any changes mid-game with, with this team. Something to be said, though, is that... Get used to it. <laughs> at the end of the... Yeah, at the end of the game, it was 36 shots to 34 Colorado. And the, the game was 4-2. to two. It could have been a lot worse. And we played what's considered one of the Stanley Cup favorites, and we only lost by two goals. This team puts it together, man. I think that they could actually beat Colorado. I think it's a different story when Nathan McKinnon's playing. But at the same time, I thought uh, Colorado, the, the team, they were all on the same page, and they were all playing, uh, they were all playing well. But uh, let's, you know, let's, let's call the dogs off and, and not take it too far on, on this team quite yet. What I would like to see in the future is to to see them really clean up that that defense because it just seemed like a lot of guys were confused on where to go. Uh, there was a lot of missed defensive pairings. Actually, one of the goals was was because of a blown uh, defensive coverage 
we had two guys on the left side and it opened up the right side of the ice for a, for a breakaway. I think that was the Bo Byram. Um, there, yeah, there was a somewhat of a collision. It seemed like with, uh, I think it was Tyler Johnson actually collided with somebody. Yeah, I think it was Tyler Johnson and McCabe, to be honest with you. And uh, but you know that's that's a coaching issue, and this is I don't think that's a really a player thing, to be honest with you. This the stretch pat- passing is it's overdone to long passes that don't work. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, so they were we picking s- those off like they were seeing those coming a mile yeah, away. They're uh, just terrible, and we we signed Seth Jones to you know carry the puck and you know play some good d i don't even think he like had a chance yesterday like to even you know make any plays and i i just i don't think colleton's gonna last man i really don't if we want to be successful he is not the answer i know that they he had a good stink in uh rockford and you know a lot of players liked him but i mean it's just it's like the same. It's the yeah. same every. I mean, I'm not. I'm not getting nervous or anything. I know it's just game one. It's gonna happen. We're gonna lose hockey games, but like I feel like we kind of were picking up where we left off last year, and yeah, we're, we're chasing games early, and you know, and we're not adjusting against. You, you can't play that that style against a team like the Colorado Avalanche, man. You you can't do it. They will pick you apart and they they made us pay for the mistakes their defensemen made us pay yeah they put up the the offense can you imagine if their offense was on that game could have been it could have been very bad early it could have been like a seven nothing game yeah and i thought flurry stood on his head and you know what he he's he stuck with it and i'm glad that he kind of settled down a little bit because he did make some good saves Yes, he did. And you know what? I'm glad that the game's over. Uh, I don't think that the players are going to take it too seriously, honestly, because it was the game number one. They're getting ready for New Jersey, who they're playing when you listen to this today. And they will, um, and it's a completely different team. I think uh, New Jersey's obviously a team on the rise. They've got a youth movement going on there. And uh, recently signed defenseman Dougie Hamilton. So this is going to be one that's going to be picked apart. Uh, because of both signings, Dougie Hamilton in New Jersey and Seth Jones in in Chicago, so I'm really curious to see how this is gonna is gonna play out. I want to see what kind of adjustments they make uh, for this game because um, it it got better as the game went on versus Colorado, but they need to come out uh, strong versus this team versus New Jersey and set the tone so that they don't get caught up like they did uh, like they did against Colorado. And, uh, you know, I want to see where, where Jack Hughes is, to be honest with you. He's, um, he's been touted as a great player, but I think he came into the NHL too early. I think he needed some time to, to mature, to, um, to, to, to mature for the game because his body, you know, he, I just don't think that he was ready. I think that he's looking to take a step this year, and I'm looking forward to seeing what that step is and what this new leadership group in New Jersey is, is going to do. And, uh, and I want to see if the Hawks are up to the task. I think that they should be. And uh, we'll, we'll, see what, we'll see what happens. What do you got with New Jersey? Yeah, I don't. I, the biggest thing that they've done was, you know, obviously get Dougie Hamilton and no, they got they still got PK there. I, I think he's a a good leader, gonna be a good uh good leader for that team. I know I know they got the um Jack Hughes a couple of years ago, and you know he, he's like a five eight guy, and 
you know, a lot of people, including like my father-in-law, he was like, I can't believe this kid went first. He's so small. And, but you know, I, I think he had a better season last year and they did, they got some good players. I know their uh, captain. He sure is. They're expecting big things from him. And so I still think that they don't have a, a, a legit number one goalie. I think they're kind of pushing Blackwood. Mackenzie Blackwood, but um, it's still kind of early to see if he's the guy. But I, I think the Hawks should win this game. I mean, they should they should be embarrassed after that first period. I hope they come out and you know give the fans something to cheer about. Yeah, we got to take a look to see if Mackenzie Blackwood's going to play because he might not play. And I don't know if you know this, but Jack Hughes has really great zone entry numbers uh, carrying the puck. Oh, did you get that stat from the Jay Fresh? I did. It was really interesting because um, he he rated the, some of the top players who who carry the puck in the amount that they do it, and he does it just about as much as Kane does. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah you he, know, he's he's going to get a lot of ice time there too, right? In New Jersey, that's pretty. That's pretty cool. Hey, man, that's that's, cool that's a uh, that's an important skill. To be honest with you, not many people huh. can uh, can do that. Who was his number one defenseman that could carry the puck? Did he say? I didn't. I didn't oh, see. Curious with that one. Yeah. Well, cool. What we're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna head you into the into the collab we did with Parent the Point and um, and thank you everybody for listening again. You know, give us a follow if you haven't. And 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 most importantly, you know, we've been doing really well uh, for 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 a while now, and we'd like to thank everybody who listens to the podcast. And we're gonna be con- continue to put out content for you. And um, thanks once again. All right, today we got Seth and Jessica from Pair at the Point over here. How are you guys doing? Doing well, doing well. Jess, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> Where'd you guys get your name, Pair at the Point? So we, when we were deciding to podcast uh, from our couch, we were thinking, we are trying to make it Pittsburgh and hockey related. And if you're familiar with the city of Pittsburgh, at the, where the two rivers combined into the Ohio River. There's like a point and it has a giant fountain. And we actually got engaged right by there. And we have a bunch of pictures from that night. So we were like, okay, we want to incorporate the point. And then we figured the point also like point for defense and a pair because there's two of us and two defensemen. So that's kind of how we got to it. And we liked the alliteration as well. You know, what's funny is that, you know, just hearing your name, I would immediately thought, oh yeah, this is cool. Like, oh, like a husband and wife deal, uh, two defensemen at the point, you know, but it's really yeah. cool that you actually incorporated, you know, one of, one of your life events into the name of your podcast. That's so weird, weird synchronicity, how things work like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. It's kind of how life is because that I told Matt when we were, when we were doing this and we were naming the podcast, cause we had gone over a few names and then I told him, I'm like, you know what, we're going to say something one day and <laughs> we're going to know like, like that's going to be it. And then one day I was just like, I was thinking of Tomahawk missiles because like, you know, trying to be badass, you know, hyper masculine <laughs> type of a thing. And then I'm like, Oh wait, Tomahawks are also, on you know, jersey. on, on yeah. the, on the Jersey as well. And Tomahawks are even, you know, like, like Indian tomahawks are even more badass, you know? So we went with Chicago tomahawk. I'm hoping that um, the Blackhawks offer us some money for the name, you know? So uh, we'll see how it goes. But anyways, let's get into, um, let's get into some hockey talk. 
the the Pittsburgh Penguins have have um, you know Crosby and Malkin out. Obviously, that's the that's the big story, and I think that the team is going to show a little is, is going to show some resilience, you know, going into this season. That blowout with Tampa Bay, I couldn't be more happier of, you know, because <laughs> number one, we're seeing what the team's like, you know, when they're not seventeen million over the cap, and uh, number two, I, the, the the Hawks usually get their teeth kicked in after they win a Stanley Cup in that first game back, and it's glad to see that they're not the only case. So going into this season. Where do you see the team at with uh, without Crosby and Malikin? Uh, I really think they're going to finish second or third in the division again. I, I don't think there's going to be much of a drop-off. Uh, Malkin has been less of a force on the offensive side of things uh, last two seasons, uh, less of a, a playmaker and, and more of a force unto himself. Uh, that can go off for a game or two, but not really where our offense lives and dies. Uh, and Sid should be back early enough. He should be back maybe even next week. So I, I think we'll be all right. I really don't think we've taken too much of a step back in the offseason. Uh, we won the division last year. So, you know, I, I'm relatively optimistic, at least for this season. So I going into this season, I thought we'd make the playoffs, but I thought we'd kind of be mid tier maybe like the third or fourth spot uh, last night gave me or I guess Tuesday night gave me a little bit more hope I think that we have a pretty good group of guys and I wasn't sure how the new newcomers were going to fit in but I, I do think that we have a chance to win the division but more likely I'm thinking we'll probably get second in the division maybe to the Islanders yeah I think the Islanders are going to be pretty good this year yeah, they really surprised everybody, you know, and to be honest with you, I think a lot of teams are changing their chemistry and their makeup of, you know, uh, you know, speed kills to having some grinders on there with skill. Um, you know, with 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 the whole Malikin situation, you know, Ovechkin's at a point where they're looking for him to break Wayne Gretzky's record. So they gave him a five year deal. He scores 30 goals a year and he'll 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 do it. Does Malikin have that kind of value where his injuries are, I mean, he's always kind of been injured, but it seems like they're really mounting up and he's going to want a new contract. And if he's asking for $9 million a year, it, are, are you guys at the point where you're like, no, there's no way that we can pay that and, and still be competitive? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I understand why the Capitals did what they did with Sebastian because He's the cornerstone of their franchise, and he's the greatest player they've ever had. However, I mean, you're already going to see diminishing returns this season from him because he's become more of a power play specialist uh, than, than he's ever been in his career, and his defensive woes are only going to get worse. Uh, I think Malkin's in a similar camp. I think he's slightly better defensively, and he's a little bit better 5-1-5 five five at this stage in his career. But... Yeah, I mean, I, I can't, I, I can't imagine them giving him more than like six five a year. If he start, if he wants seven or more, I think he start thinking about other options. Hmm. So, are there any players this year that have really stood out to you that you're like, I can't wait to see this guy play? You know, he's really going to make a difference on this team. Is there anybody standing out to you? So for me, it, it is always Brian Rust, and he's in a contract year, which really scares me because we don't have a ton of money. I think we're going to have, like, I think right now we have like 100K in cap space. Uh, and so I, 
I'm always excited to see Brian Rust. He's my favorite player on the team. And, you know, I think he just keeps getting better every year. So he's he's the one for me, I think. What about you, Seth? Uh, in terms of the newbies, you know, I, I'm always prospect-oriented. I, I think Legare could, if we get into a rash of forward injuries, uh, get a call up and he could stick. Uh, he's got a wicked shot. Uh, he finds he finds open ice. And, yeah, for a 20-year-old kid, I think he could really do some damage. Are there any prospects that, that stand out to you? Uh, him, him really, at least in this, in terms of this year, we have a couple guys that could maybe plug in on fourth line roles in a pinch, uh, Zahorna being among them. Uh, but you know, we're, we're a little thin at this point in, in our, in our franchise. Uh, we've, we've done well to find some unsigned folk, uh, to replenish the cupboards, but overall, uh, you know, it's a little bare. You know, with the Blackhawks, you know, we've got Jonathan Taves and, him and, and Crosby are, I would probably say, a lot of like and what they mean to the organization. You know, mm-hmm. Taze has always been a two-way player, and I can see him moving from a top-line role down to more of like a shutdown center type of role to extend his career. Mm-hmm. Do you see the? Do you see that the the Penguins? can change Crosby's role and extend his career? Or do you think that once he's done with his latest contract and, you know, his, he's getting up there in age, there's nothing else for him to do? So I think that uh, that is to be determined because he's still playing at such a high level. I, I do think that he would be willing to, to, you know, sign for more years and play as a 2C or a 3C. And I think that because he takes such good care of himself and he trains so hard that he's really going to make an impact on the team until he retires, no matter where, you know, he ends up. And honestly, I think he'll remain in that 1C just simply because we don't have anyone else. And it just doesn't really seem like we are going to have a prospect who can fit in there. So unless we manage a trade or something, I don't know who we're going to get that's going to be better than Sid, even when Sid's like 38 years old. He's, he's really modeled his career after Iserman, and you can tell in the way that he's adapted the last two, three seasons to become a defensive force. Uh, so, yeah, I could definitely see him as he gets older slotting down, but just his point is correct in that we don't really have any serious center prospects that are going to be a threat to be a one or two C anywhere in the pipeline. I, I'm very interested in, in how Taves uh, adapts because he really did take what the whole last season off and he's just a gem of a player yeah i was really it's kind of funny i was actually going to mention steve eisman because when he first came into the league he was just an offensive dynamo and just putting up a ton of points and then scotty bowman told him he's like hey if you want to stay in this league and be a you know a great player you have to you have to change your game and play both sides of the ice and he did ironically he still put up like 60 goals here you know which is absolutely incredible you know just thinking back to the the numbers that the players were putting up back in those days you know Crosby he, he other than the concussion injury that he that he had and he took off a lot of time for that and rightfully so he really hasn't had you know, like major knee issues or back issues or or neck issues, you know. So I can see him really extending his time on, on, on the team, to be honest with you, more than I can see Malikin, because it seems like Malikin's body is just, just breaking down at this point. And, 
you know, that's that's it's actually incredible how much these players, their bodies can go through and how much playoff hockey they've played and injuries that they've played through. And on our last, I think it was our last or two podcasts ago, we were talking about the toll of the game that it has on players, not just physically, but the mental toll that it's taking on on players these days. You know, I'm curious with the Pittsburgh Penguins, do you think that they're going to have to just blow up the whole team after, you know, Crosby retires and, and start from, from scratch? Or do you think that they could do kind of like a halfway rebuild? I think they'll try to model after what Detroit has done and maybe failed to do, which is try to find some late round gems and, and use their scouts to stay afloat and stay semi-competitive. I, I can't see a full rebuild until Crosby retires, and that, that could be another 10 years, depending on how, how he holds up. <laughs> He's looking good. Yeah. yeah, he is. And he was talking about playing till he was 50 because they were talking about, you know, they were talking about Tom Brady. It's like, holy smoke. I could, you know, he'll be like, try to break the, uh, said, actually, if he were to play till 50, I would think that he would break the goals record. And, uh, and go for uh, Gordy Howe's record as well, right? Or did he you, play till he was fifty-two? He yeah, he played late. Did do you remember when Crosby scored that goal against the Oilers? What was that two years ago with McDavid? <laughs> it's it's almost like you know what, kid, you're pretty good, but I'm not ready to quit yet. Yeah. Kind of a kind of a goal, like a little he, statement. I loved it. He did it. He did McDavid? something similar. Yep. He against uh, McDavid. McDavid just really turned and like stared he it was in overtime i remember that he, goal he was, was on really the ice yep, yep yep yeah yep. mcdavid just kind of like turned around and was like i'm just gonna watch because it yep. was a thing of beauty and yeah that was sid doesn't do that kind of stuff very often <laughs> that was a backhand too and, is yep yeah 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 that was it was awesome yeah <laughs> he, he very rarely goes for those one-on-one deeks anymore he goes for the higher uh, percentile play but yeah, he just he just took it to him. Uh, three on three. That was definitely a statement. Definitely a statement goal. Hey kid, you're good, but I'm not ready to quit yet. So you're going to be second place. <laughs> so are there any other teams in the NHL that you guys are, are looking at? You're like, yeah, I can't wait to see how this team goes. Or, or um, are there any, are you just enemies with all teams, not Penguins? <laughs> like Mike. Yeah. For me, I love Colorado. Um, I would really like to see. Colorado make you know a Stanley Cup run I actually was laughing because last night Jack Johnson scored a breakaway goal and we hate Jack Johnson of course because we're Pittsburgh Penguins fans but he scored a breakaway goal I'm like what is this what's happening but I just I really always enjoy following Colorado Uh, obviously they're cracking with having McCann and Tanov there you know you want to see them do well and I hope that you know Tan or I hope McCann can become the player that he I think can be and just never really was with us or with Florida. So those are kind of my two teams that I'm watching. What about you, Seth? I'm strange. I mean, uh, somewhere in my heart, there's a little bit of a, a Sabre fan because uh, when, I can't when wait pen- to hear this. <laughs> no, when, when, when the pens were on, you know, death's door, I, I guess in the lockout and coming out of the lockout, getting Crosby, but still not being able to, you know, fill seats. You had to start thinking about, okay, relocation, are you going to follow him to Kansas city or you want to pick a team closer to home? Uh, you know, and 
I visited upstate New York a few times, and uh, back then they had a decent team with like Briere and, and Drury, uh, yep. Drury and uh, Miller was in net. Uh, so they were fun to watch, and I thought that would be an easier transition for me. So watching them go through this absolutely dreadful decade and a half where they just cannot get life, and then the whole Eichel situation and uh, their ownership and, and management has just been terrible. Um, so I, yeah, I, I would like them to do better than 32nd, and that's about all you can really hope for that team. You know, I'm a um, Landeskog hater because I think he's a piece of shit, you know, and watching <laughs> him last night, you know, do his usual scumbag routine of hitting somebody from behind when they're, you know, when he feels that, you know, he needs to change the tone of the game. And uh, I just have to bring this up, man, because I just fucking hate this guy <laughs> you know, because he and he only does it to players that um Young won't kids. fight back. Yeah. He did it. He did it to Kaner a few years ago. He he like cross checked him from behind into the boards. Kaner turned around, saw six foot three, uh, and all six foot three of Landeskog. You know, and he's not going to fight Landeskog. I fucking get it. You know, and he did it. To, you know, and then yesterday we've got Doc on one knee on one leg, going towards the boards, practically cross checks him. You know, head first into the boards and. I, I just freaking hate this guy. You know, you brought up you brought up Colorado and it just brings something out of me whenever I see him. If there's anybody in the league that I want to see, I want to see like Tom Wilson do his scumbaggery to, it's to uh, Gabriel Landeskog. Or Reeves, yeah. Or Reeves. Well, Reeves isn't a scumbag, though. He's just no, a No, he's not, guy. but you'd like to see him just have a little fun with him. Oh, absolutely. If if I could do it myself, I would. But uh, with the mitts of Bobby Probert. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So when uh, Colorado comes to Pittsburgh, look out for a Landeskog because if you guys are tied or down by one goal, he he might go start headhunting on on Sidney Crosby or. Or, or 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 somebody else that's that's uh 19 yeah that's 19 <laughs> or or big for you guys and that's maybe five or six inches smaller than he is yeah, that, there... that, that that kit was pretty brutal jess did you catch that last night i didn't now okay i'll give you a play-by-play down of what <laughs> happened doc was uh going into the boards he was down on one leg and then landeskog after coming off of the boards and hitting three other people because he was clearly on a mission. I uh, came in and, and hit Doc and Doc, Doc went like head first into the boards. Got two games for it, I think. Yeah, just I know that he was getting out. uh I think it was it was getting reviewed today. I, I wasn't sure yeah. what the punishment was though. Yeah, you feel it, bad for Doc cuz he's, you know, he fights injuries almost every season and if he would have got really hurt that that would have been very shitty. Yeah, yeah, it would have been huge because you know this is a huge this is a huge year for him. You know, he was a rookie his first year. He had a, he got a back injury in camp, and then the second year last year he got what was it World Juniors. He uh, he broke his wrist, so he had to have wrist surgery. They brought him back early, and then he kind of aggravated it during the season. And this year is his first full season like healthy, so it's kind of a big deal for at least for us and Doc and and his development. Are there, um, just say for, for instance, the, the Penguins, are there any, like, say, free agent targets that you guys might want to look to get, you know, coming up if you guys are going to make a playoff push? I think we'll probably stay in Pat. Uh, 
I, I can't imagine they're going to go spend more assets that we don't have. Uh, I think Extol is probably trying to have a more uh, stable, measured hand than Rutherford, who was just like wild and wanted to make 20 trades a year. <laughs> so I really do think they'll, they'll more than likely stand pat. Maybe they flip a defenseman for another goal scorer if, if another injury pops up, but nothing crucial, uh, nothing crazy. Did you guys happen to catch that Kraken game the other day? We only saw the first period because we live on the East Coast and oh, it was really right. late. But I, I think we, we are going to the Kraken game when they play Pittsburgh here in Pittsburgh. So really excited. And then I also did watch the goals. So we saw, you know, Jared McCann score a goal. That was so exciting. And then we memorized all the trivia. So we know who scored their first goal. Because <laughs> those are always good trivia questions. Yeah, they, yeah, they are. They are. You know, I don't think that they're going to be the swan story that Vegas was, but I think that they're going to be a team that I think surprises a few people this year. Maybe go five hundred and uh, and win a few big games, but uh, maybe you know going forward they'll get stronger. But they looked pretty good. They definitely look, look like a new team on their first game, but uh, I thought that they, they looked good. They fought back against Vegas and, you know, if there was, wasn't a couple, you know, miscommunication and miscues, I mean, they, they could have won that game, but actually the last goal of the game, there is a review on it because it went off of, I forgot whose skate it was, but he made a kicking motion to the goal and it went in and everybody reviewed it. Announcers were like, oh, yeah, this is coming back. He made a distinct kicking motion. Look at that. And then the ref comes out. They're like, yep, that's a good goal. (laughs) So they actually could have taken that game to overtime and possibly won it after a disastrous first period. But uh, luck wasn't on their side that night. They were down. They were down big time. And, uh, yeah, I, I saw that kicking motion. It definitely was. But I don't know if you've noticed this, too. It seems like the rules change every couple of years. There's there's a new mantra, and it seems like the last two, three, anytime there's a question about a kicking motion, it always seems like they count it. I don't know. Wow. No, I, I haven't noticed that. It, I think they're just trying to up goal scoring across the board, and that's one of the things they've just been more lax on. Yeah, that and what is it, the, the new cross-checking rule where I guess you can't cross-check people in front of the net anymore? Did you hear about that? Yeah, so they actually, we watched a video on this and there's a lot of cross checks that seem like they're going to be affected. And I mean, for a team like the Penguins, this that would help us immensely because if anyone watched the Penns Islanders series in the playoffs, I felt like we just were getting cross checked for the entire game. So I think like teams like us, it's really going to help. And then teams such as, you know, in, in our division, the Capitals and the Islanders, it's it's really going to hurt because they really rely on those cross checks to clear the front of the net. But they seem like they're also going to call it just anywhere on the ice more than they currently do. Yeah. Do you guys, uh, do you guys think that the Capitals are you know, in competition with you guys at all? Are you, are you like, you know what, this team's kind of dying off? I'm not really concerned about them. I, I, I think they've gotten their one cup and they're pretty much done. Uh, yeah. I, they don't really have the defense to, to go anywhere. So they could definitely take a playoff spot and they could look half decent, but they're not a real uh, contender. Uh, 
in in the same way that they were even three years ago. Um, they were they were grisly then, and now it's just it's pretty barren. Uh, once you get down to their bottom six, they can't even get Kuznetsov to like play for them. So <laughs> <laughs> it's also their defense for me. Their their defense is just not good. Yeah. Yeah, I think that they're kind of just in it for to to try to get uh, Ovechkin to break Gretzky's goal record, you know. And it's pretty incredible because, you know, like this organization is practically putting it all in for that, you know. And uh, they're, you know, they've practically got Backstrom on life support trying to keep him on the team. And to think that when Gretzky did it without you know, really trying to do it. And not to mention the practically 2000 assists that he has on top of it. It's just absolutely incredible, you know. Now, I mean, different eras for sure. But I mean, the talent of a Gretzky, Lemieux, or how, I mean, it's just undeniable. You look at some of the things that they did and how unbreakable some of those records still seem. Yeah. I'm, I'm still not convinced Ovechkin's going to break Gretzky's. It's going to be tight for sure. Uh, but it'll be fun to watch. Uh, We're in the same boat there because I think father time and injuries are going to start to add up. And I'll tell you what, 160 goals, it wouldn't seem like a lot for Ovechkin, say maybe 10 years ago doing 60 a season. But when you start getting down to doing 30, maybe 25 goals a season, you know, it really adds up. I think he's also going to start getting injuries that we wouldn't have seen, or he'll have, you know, injuries that he can no longer play through. I think that's going to be a main factor is him staying healthy and him staying mobile. Yeah, 100%. I mean, he practically went for a routine hit in a, in a preseason game, and then they listed him day to day after that. Yeah, he I looked- saw that. He, he, looked, uh, he looked pretty injured, and I know he played yesterday, but you have to wonder, is he starting the season already kind of beaten up a little bit? Right. He good last night, I'll tell you that. <laughs> he, yeah. was, he was all over the place, screaming at his teammates celebrating an assist almost it seemed like <laughs> go ahead i mean Matt. he's got so few of them he might as well <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah no kidding i got one for you guys so i'm just a guy that was watching the playoff series last year between the pens and the islanders here is what i noticed the goaltending for you guys was pretty bad the high glove they were killing them the whole series were you guys surprised that textile didn't bring a goalie in this summer so I am not surprised. I I had a feeling they were going to stick with him. And I if you would have asked me the day after the game, I would have been really angry about that. But I also try to remember he's young. He's only I think he's he just turned 26 in April and he is a good goalie. I think the better thing that we did do that a lot of non-pens people probably don't know is the goalie coach change. Mm-hmm. I think that that is going to be huge for for not only Tristan but for all of our goalies. Uh, we we actually saw him working um, up at our practice with Louis Deming, and just watching the coach work with him and and seeing his knowledge. I I just he didn't he looks a lot better than our last coach, and I think that's really going to help him. Another thing people don't realize with with the play with the playoffs last year is that Casey DeSmith, who is completely capable of playing in a playoff series, was injured, and I think that you know everything would be a little bit different if if he wasn't injured and he could have taken over while Tristan got his head straight. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think the goalie 
the goalie coach, um, Buckley, uh, when he took over for Murray, you saw the same problem. He got beat high glove a ton from then on. So when, when that change was made, I believe after the second cup from Bales to Buckley, it, it was, it was disastrous from pretty much from day one and maybe cost us, you know, a, a chance at a third cup. So, you know, I, I'm hoping the reset button could be hit for Jerry and that it's, you know, it wasn't too detrimental to his confidence. Interesting. So, you know what guys, Hawks are playing Saturday. What do you guys think is going to happen? Let's get some predictions. So Marc-Andre Fleury, if, if he's in net, which I'm guessing he probably will be, uh, he always performs in Pittsburgh. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Hawks win. And at the same time, it is our home opener. And, you know, it's the first time that we're going to be back to full capacity on a Saturday in Pittsburgh, you know, before a Steelers home game the next day. The city is going to be rocking so i think if i if i'm making a logical decision here i think that the pens do take it but i think it's going to be a close one and i think flurry's going to keep a minute what do you think the score is going to be i'd go five four i think it's going to be a shootout i think uh you know the, the hawks like playing that way the pens like playing that way uh neither defense is perfect uh ours will probably get away from their game trying to chase some goals uh especially with that like second pair that you guys have that I'm not too sold on. Uh, so I, I could definitely see it being a barn burner situation. So I'll, I'll say five, four. Yeah, I'm going to go with four, three. I, I mean, I could go with five, four too. Uh, you know, the Blackhawks have a lot that they, that they need to do and a lot that's on their plate. And to be honest with you, a lot that needs to be fixed, especially watching that first game. And um, they're not, they aren't helped by Jeremy Colladin and his, and his system that he has set up which is practically nothing for for defense and i think that's a huge problem i think that we have the the better tools there to be successful but i think the problem is is coaching and that's a problem i don't think that the penguins have and they might be able to exploit that really so uh i'm i'm predicting a a, a really close game maybe uh, maybe another rough first period for the blackhawks and and then the things get tight uh, after that what do you got matt after watching that first period last night, um, it was like watching Pee Wee defensemen chase the the guy with the puck and leaving the slot open for a defenseman on the other team to just fire it. Oh, dude, um, it was it was uh, you know it was I thought they were getting into the but, Halloween spirit. I was watching a horror movie. The way Pittsburgh played against the Champs, the first game that with their three best offensive players out in Crosby, Malkin, and uh, I think Gensel was out too, right, guys? Mm-hmm. That that's amazing, and Jeff Carter was kind of like the man, <laughs> and for the, uh, I think he was a first line center, correct? You got it. He yep. yeah, he he was good, and I think if they play like that, they're gonna probably beat the Hawks pretty good, probably yeah. five to two. But yeah, so, uh, poor Flurry's got to probably face sixty shots against you guys, and he'll still probably stop fifty five ish, but. <laughs> We it's never going to change. We have to um, we have to tighten up and we won't because this coach kind of seems stubborn and he thinks he's a know it all. So so I think it's going to be a long season for the Hawks if they don't adjust. I got to ask, though, like there were some good moves this offseason. Very Uh, good. What was the thought process behind putting all of the defensive eggs in the Seth Jones basket for such a high cap hit? 
I'll go over that in detail. <clears throat> this is what's going to happen. Seth Jones is getting what nine point five, and what Darnell Nurse is getting, you know, nine point two five or or something like that. Kale McCarr is getting nine. You know, this is going to be the going rate for for star defensemen uh, going forward. For star forwards, the going rate is going to be at the bare minimum. It's going to be twelve million. If you look around the league, you're going to notice that there's a lot of guys signing for three-year deals, two-year deals, four-year deals. And that's because the, I believe the Players Association owes ownership money in some kind of agreement that they have, okay? And what that agreement is, the cap is only going to go up by, four, by $1 million each year for the next four years. On the fifth year, the cap is going to go up by $5 million. So there's going to be a $10 million difference in the cap between now and in, and in five years. So when, when uh, Seth Jones's contract doesn't start until next year, he's getting $5 million this year. He's got a $5 million cap hit this year. So when his $9 million cap hit is, is hitting you know, four years from now and the cap is higher, it's really going to be like, say maybe a 7 million cap hit of what we have like right now. I'm really surprised. That's why Brady Kachuk, the whole deal with Brady Kachuk was that they were trying to, he was trying to sign a, a three-year deal so that he could get a mega deal in, in, a, in, in three years because he would. And so it all comes down to like COVID and this escrow uh, payback basically. Right. Right. Okay. Right. So we're looking at a cap hit increase in 10 million. So this, contract it's not going to be bad um in, in about four years which would be three years into the into the deal and um you know you know using brady kachuk as as an example you know we're looking at a player that's never scored over 23 goals in a season and he's asking and he's getting paid now eight million dollars a year and that's because the ownership knows that this is happening ottawa didn't want to do it they didn't want to give him that bridge deal because they knew they'd have to really really pay him coming up yeah they're cheap too they are they're real cheap and they didn't want to they didn't want to pay him and um yeah no looks like the cheapest owner ever and even if you look at kaprizov's deal i believe he got a three three or four year deal Mm -hmm. at at nine million dollars if this kid is scored scoring 40 goals a season going forward, he might be getting 12 to $15 million on his next contract. Yeah. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, I just don't know if Jones is, is the, is Jones the player that we saw last year or is he the player that we saw, you know, with Panarin? Yeah. I'll be, I'll be hoping I'll be completely honest with you. As long as Jeremy Colladin is the coach, I don't think that, I don't think that we're going to see the best of Seth Jones. He might get some better offensive numbers, but he won't, he won't defend like I know that he can. And that's why they signed Jake McCabe. And I really like that signing because, you know, I, we just need a guy to, to defend and, and, and play defense. You know, you don't have to do anything special. You know, you can leave that to Seth. I was surprised who he had with Seth yesterday. I think it was DeHaan. They were, mm. I saw 44 and four and I'm like, is that Seth Jones? Wait a minute. That's four, four. And then right. I'm like, why, why? I thought we wanted McCabe. I thought we were doing this way. And you know, Colleton's like, Oh, I'm going to put him out there. And he, Mike's right though. The coach is definitely going to make or break what's going on with our defense because 
Jones did not look good last night. I know it was his first game, but it, it, you, like it, picture if we had Tortorella as our coach. I don't think we'd be giving up, getting outshot by like 20 each game. We Our defense would be a lot better. But so you we'll think first, first goes fire for league-wide? I, you know what? I'm hoping. I'm hoping. So I've never liked this guy to begin with. I mean, how do you fire Coach Quinville? I know there's got to be a time you have to change, but you you're, you fired a Hall of Famer, three-time Stanley Cup champion coach for a guy who's never coached one game in the NHL. That makes no sense. I didn't, so. I didn't like it either, but I 100% agreed that it was time for a change. But I, yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't but think sh- that they should have done it right there. I think it was like 10 games into the season. But I thought that the Blackhawks, they needed a change uh, be, behind the bench. Yeah, but you need to change with somebody who has experience, like a right. Gerard Gallant or, you know, somebody who's been there. A, yeah. yeah, like a, a playoff coach, not a guy who is an AHL Rockford Icehawks coach. Yeah, I mean, he was yeah. trending up for the Icehawks, but the problem was I think he was like 35 at the time. And we still had Siebes who played who who played in the he AHL. He played minor with hockey with them. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, same. I mean, there's some good minor coaches. I mean, Jess, you you saw that firsthand, uh, you know, down in Wilkesboro, how much of a difference that makes um, between a playoff team and a non-playoff team at the AHL level. Yeah, I mean, Wilkesboro has been blessed with great coaches. I mean, that's how Mike Sullivan became our coach. And then, you know, we, before him, what's that guy's name? The coach that went to the Devils, and then I think now he's Hines. in the board. Uh, Nashville. Oh, H- yeah. uh, Heinz, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he, yeah, yeah he was Wilkes Bear's coach uh, back in like 2014 ish era, and he, I mean, he got that team deeper in the playoffs than they've ever been in in their history. And then Mike Sullivan came, and then Mike Sullivan got promoted, and they've just had a good a good batch of coaches down there. And I think that the the difference with the Pens organization is they're kind of always trying to see like they're trying to have a good coach in the minors that they could bring up if they Call need to yeah. kind of like the players I, I think that's kind of the mentality of it. it's next man up so if something happens with mike sullivan the the next guy will be ready and i think that's a good way to be and that creates a really good level of competition within our organization and it creates a good coach in both the minors and in the nhl Better hold on to him. Sully is a good coach. I, I'm uh, from what I've seen in his video clips, his interviews. He seems like like the players really like playing for him, and he he seems like a really good guy. Yeah, I mean, I definitely have my qualms with him. Uh, you know, we had we had Blashill too. I guess is in, uh, not in, the wings are in your division, but um, you've seen uh, he he coaches the with Detroit, and he started with Wilkesboro as well. I mean, Sully. Sully's a hard-nosed coach. He he knows what he likes. Uh, he can be stubborn at times, but overall, the players do seem to uh, enjoy enjoy playing for him. And he's a nice mix between uh, an old-school, you know, hard knocks coach with you know being under Tortorella for a little bit early in his career, and yeah. a new style player coach. Um, so he's got the best of both worlds in that. Like a Cooper, respect. yeah, exactly. Cooper and Tortorella molded into one. <laughs> it's really smart the redundancy that they've instilled there with, with the coaching staff because you know getting a coach you know to you know you got to get a guy that that the kid that the team respects right and when you get a guy that's you know 10 years older than you you know you're you're kind of like 
I don't know. Is I don't know if if I have that same level of respect to say, you know, if you had you know Quenville come in, you're like, oh wow, that's that's John Quenville. Well, you know, I mean, it's like Q's done an amazing job down in Florida too. Oh yeah, he's made him relevant. Yeah, they've been down there for almost 25, 28 years, and 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 if you look at the level of hockey that's being played in Tampa and and Florida, you know, this is what Bettman wanted. He wanted there to be competition. All around the NHL and all four corners, you know, like his grandmaster plan or something, you know. And it's wait till he gets cap space when he gets rid of Bobrowski. Yeah, no kidding. Spend on some more good players. They hired like a whole crew down there to try to fix his head. So uh, <laughs> led by Luongo and a bunch of other guys. They were. Uh, oh, that's not the right guy. That guy's nuts. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. He's a fun follow on Twitter, though. I'll give you that. He, he is. He is. I, I liked him the minute he left Vancouver because. <laughs> We, we had no choice. We had to hate him. Yeah. It's a great series back in the day. Uh, oh, great. That one with Burroughs where he finally uh, sunk. Oh. That was one of the best games, uh, best series I've ever really watched. It was oh, the first uh, round. 2011, was mm-hmm. it? Yeah, the year after we won, yeah. Yeah, that's when we Well, lost. speaking game of that. Seven overtime, I believe. Don't, don't you guys wish that the Hawks and Pens met one time in the Stanley Cup Finals over those dynasty years? I th- oh, man, it would have been like the best of the best showdown. Yeah. And we never got to see it. It's kind of amazing it never happened. I think the best chance was uh, 13, right? When, when there was that uh, partial With lockout. Boston. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we had a smarter coach, it definitely could have made it. Uh, but, you know, we, we couldn't line match against the Bruins, and <laughs> that turned out to be a short series. So, yeah, no, it would have it been amazing to see Kane, Taves, Crosby, Malkin all on the same ice. Oh, yeah. In their prime. In their prime. Letang and Funny Letang enough, too, I think a lot of the reasons we didn't get to the cup finals those years is because of Marc-Andre Fleury and his playoff meltdowns. Yeah, that's funny. You know, Matt doesn't like to hear about that kind of stuff, you know, because those are fighting words for him. I mean, Marc-Andre said- Fleury floats on a, on a, on a cloud uh, of pillows for him. <laughs> no, 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 no. Hey, he said, hey, this, he I, I seen him play one game, that's it. <laughs> he set the worst uh, goaltending save percentage from a goalie who finished the series uh, in the in the millennium, and he said it twice. Um, yeah, so he he definitely had some major meltdowns where he was sub eight hundred one year, and then barely eight hundred another year. Wow, um, two thousand nine, he was really really good. Yeah, though, he was yeah. Detroit. He he stopped that last second shot against Nick Lindstrom and. I was like, oh, yeah, I just wanted to see Detroit go down, but I was yeah. for Pittsburgh that year. <laughs> no, I mean, but, that, was a, that was a great story, and Fleury's a great goalie, but, yeah, people yeah. gloss over that in his, uh, his arc. For sure. Were yeah. you guys a little disappointed that he didn't end up coming back home to you guys? I still think he will. I, I think he will. At, at the at deadline, point, you think the Hawks will send him over your way? Could happen. So I – um, I, I don't want to say a Flurry hater because I love Marc-Andre Flurry, but I was a huge Matt Murray fan. I bought a Matt Murray jersey. I'm like, this is the goalie of the future. This is going to be so great. Like, good riddance, Marc-Andre Flurry. <laughs> the ultimate Fleury. jinx. Yep. And the main reason I, I, sh- I was like that is because it's so annoying. Pittsburgh people and Pittsburgh fans just think... 
Marc-Andre Fleury is the greatest thing that's ever happened to the city. And it's so annoying for, for me who loved Matt Murray and wanted Matt Murray to get a chance for them to just constantly be like Marc-Andre Fleury, Marc-Andre Fleury. So, you know, I never would have said I wanted him back, but then when the chance came and we had that terrible issue with Tristan Jari in the playoffs, I was actually really sad that he didn't come back. And I agree with Seth. I think at some point, if not this season, um, I do think maybe he'll sign with us and, and play like one last season or something before he retires. I, I don't know, but I, I, I think that there's still a chance we'll, we'll get him back. In if sports, Carlton doesn't burn him out. In sports these yeah. days, it seems like they're allowing, you know, these, these players, some players to have, you know, kind of like a swan song one last year type of a deal. You know, they're, they've, they've done it in basketball, football, and I think hockey might be next where they, you know, it's like one last season for, you know, Ovechkin or one last season for, for Flurry where he announces his retirement, you know? No, I think it's, a, I think it's a good thing. I mean, nostalgia is a powerful motivator and fans like seeing names that are familiar and having that warm fuzzy feeling and if the players are for it i don't see anything anything wrong with it as long as he's able to perform well hey guys you know this has been a great chat why don't you drop your your information on where people can find you at all right so um as always um at the fhn.net you can find us there along with all the other podcasts and and articles and then our twitter is at pair at the point so you can catch us there as well and in our twitter there's a link that has you know all the places you can find our podcast awesome and when they you guys go to their twitter you know the story behind the name now <laughs> <laughs> so uh first goal and then we'll uh, say goodbye i guess but first goal for saturday maybe what are your predictions uh, let's see um i think that Kaner's going to score the first goal Matt? I got Jeff Carter. I'm going to say Kasperi Kapanen. Mm. And I think the Hawks open it. I'm going to go with Tyler Johnson. Mm. They got, well, it looks like me and you are thinking on the same wavelength. I mean, it could go either way with that, you know, uh, Tyler Johnson or, uh, or, or Patrick Kane. Watch, watch, it's the Brink kid, and they both assist on it. <laughs> we should talk about how many shots Flores is going to face. I think it's going to be 55. <laughs> It's got to be over 40. They really do. And you really? guys are going to, yeah, they're going to outshoot us by at least 15. I, I guarantee you, Mike. I disagree. I think it's going to be another close game like Colorado, maybe like three shots. <laughs> I guess we'll find out. Yeah, guys, yeah. It, it's really been a pleasure. Thank you for having us. Yeah, yeah. Thank coming you for on, coming on. We're going to do this again. Maybe uh, we'll do it like maybe around Christmas time. We'll we'll have a couple. We'll be a couple months in. We'll have a more of a more of an aerial view on on how the team is going, how they're developing. You know, going into that time, and who knows, we might have different stories to tell. Definitely, that sounds fun. Well, once again, thanks for coming on, guys. We love you, and this is a Tomahawk. We're out of here. Yeah.